Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, hey there, everybody. Howdy, howdy. I'm not doing announcements again. I'm talking to you today. <laughs> this is sermon time. I know that might have been confusing. If you're new around here, I normally get to do the announcements, and so that's why people laughed. Um, but I'm Stephanie. I'm um, the connection slash outreach pastor here at Momentum. I tell people I get to do all the fun things. Um, that is my, it should be my pastoral title, pastor of fun things. Whether you're looking to connect inside the walls of Momentum or outside the walls of Momentum, um, I'm the one that you get to talk to about it because, again, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So thank Thank you for letting me be here. Thanks for letting me um, speak with you today. Um, We're going to jump in pretty quick. So if you want to grab your Bible or grab your phone, um, however you access the Bible today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that so you can be turning there. If you are here or even online and you want to follow along with today's notes, you can go to mymomentumchurch.tv. You'll see a link for today's notes and all um, all the scripture verses will be there. Um, But while you get there, again, um, I'll let you know, I am Stephanie. I um, enjoy or do not enjoy long walks on the beach. I do love long coffee talks. And so if she's closed down to Starbucks with me, it's why she's nodding. Uh, If you want to talk over coffee for three hours or so, um, I would be glad to do that. But I don't want to walk on the beach. But um, I'm trying to think of other fun facts as I do this. Mark 12. Are we all there? Okay, perfect. Um, We're going to be talking uh, through this particular passage in Scripture. And I, uh, as I was looking at it this week, I, really in the last two weeks, I've just, I've seen these Scriptures before. And in every one, I've seen something that I, that I've, not recognized. Like just things, you ever do that? Like you read a scripture and it's part of it and you think you know that, but then you read it again a different time and something jumps out and you're like, how did I not see that before? Pastor Brantley um, laughs that it's, you highlighted all the good stuff already. And so then when you go back and read it, there's more good stuff. And it turns out it's all good stuff. Um, But I was reading through this and just found some really neat things that I'm excited to share with you. And so we're going to be, again, in Mark chapter 12, and this is a, a, a portion in scripture where Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So they're like trying to catch him. You know, they're not just like trying to have a conversation and learn from him. They're trying to ask him questions so that they can catch him in some sort of, um, find him in some conundrum that then allow them to be able to imprison him, take him away because they are not big fans of Jesus. And so that's kind of where we pick up with them. So they're trying to trick him into saying something wrong. Um, and again, all all of the, there's several parables, and this is, I think, the third, I think there's two or three before this one, and this is the third one, um, where they're asking him, what is the greatest commandment? And, which is like a pretty open-ended question, right? And so you can see how they thought, like, let's ask him what the greatest one is. He'll pick the wrong one, and then we got something to snag him on. So that's kind of where we find him today. And Jesus answers, and again, it's Mark 12, verse 30. Oh, it's up there for you already, but I'm going to write it here so I can reference it later. Um, And again, this one may be one that if you've been around church, you recognize. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So today, we're going to talk about Y'all say it with me. Love 
your neighbor. N-E-I-N-A-B-O-R. So as the uh, outreach pastor, I'm sure y'all are very surprised that this is what we're talking about today, right? Is this on brand? Yes, it is. No. So we're going to be talking about what does it look like to love your neighbor? And again, as I was looking at this this week, I was just like, man, I have heard this probably my entire life. Love your neighbor, but today we're talking about this part, as yourself. Plot twist. (laughs) Are we all excited? And I'm not talking about love yourself with face mask and a bottle of wine. Like this is not the type of like self-care sort of love, but like how do we love ourselves? What do we think about ourselves? What value do we put on ourselves? Because that's really what that esteem is that we're going to talk about today is how do we value ourselves? How, how do we think of ourselves? And we're going to kind of look at, um, look at it on this little con- continuum, spectrum. So we're going to look at it from here. So Because we all are going to fall into some, somewhere on this line where... Over here is, let's say we, we think too little of ourselves. I'm sure none of y'all do that. Um, where we think too little of ourselves. And then over here, we have how the Father thinks of us. Let's say how he values us. Okay. Make sense? Okay. And we all fall somewhere in this line right? We all exist somewhere in this spectrum. Um, and, but again, it's important to recognize how, we, how you love yourself because it will directly correlate with how you love your neighbor, right? Or at least that is, that is the hope, right? How do you love yourself? What value do you, how much grace do you give yourself, right? Because also correlates with how much grace we give others. And if you don't see yourself with the value that God has for you, it's going to be hard for you to see others with the value that God has for them. Right? That all kind of tracks? We're all, we're all in the same boat today? Perfect. I'm seeing heads nod. Great. Okay. So we're going to jump in to a, a passage of scripture that I have seen many, many times. Many of you have probably seen it if you've been in church, or again, if you haven't been in church, but you've just been like around people. If you've see, you're friends with any Christians on Instagram, you have probably seen this um, shared at some point, but it's the story of the prodigal son. I said, it, again, it is one that we talk about often, but I just saw some things in here that I thought were so neat, and I wanted to share them with you. So we're going to pick up In verse 11, and again, um, Jesus is speaking this parable to, um, again, to Pharisees, to Sadducees, people who are real good at being religious, right? He's speaking to them um, uh, in this, uh, in these parables, trying to explain to them what is, what basically the point he's trying to get across to them. And so he tells them, because he's having a hard time getting through to them, so he tells them it in a story. And it starts off, we're going to pick up in verse 11 in Luke 15. And it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. So if, you're, if you haven't read the story before, basically he was just like, I don't want to wait for you to die. So if you could just give me my inheritance now, which is kind of a bold move, right? 
Barbara Gray's would be like, get out of here. Like, no thanks, head on down the road. So anyway, so, he, so that's what he, he's asking him for when he says share of the estate. He says, give me um, my share. And so it said not long after that, so sorry, he divided his property between them. So him and his older brother. It says not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. And as I'm reading through this, again, I've read this story before, but I thought um, in verse 19, it says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Um, And especially in this time and in the culture of the time, to be able to, to say that I'm not worthy to be called your son, the disconnect of that name was very, very meaningful. It was a very strong statement to say that we no longer share a name, that we no longer share that family tie. It was a very, again, probably much deeper than we understand it in our current culture, but this was a very, very bold statement that he he made to say, I am not worthy. I I, um, have made choices so poorly that I am, I should be separated from you. Um, And it was, again, just something that I thought was very interesting because if you have kids, you know that, that this value does not change based on your kid's behavior, right? That this, this inherent value that you have because that is your child does not change, whether you birthed that child, whether you adopted that child, wherever you are, where you came to care for that child, that value does not change. And so to, for him to say, I'm separating myself, and even that name, that relationship, again, was a, it was a really bold statement. And seeing that, I was like, oh man, this is such an inaccurate view, inaccurate view of how we should see ourselves. But we land here so often that this is, this is where we are when truly the Father's view of us is so, so different. He values us so much different than how we see ourselves. And again, um, in looking at this, I was like, man, how did he get here? How did this kid get to, I'm not worthy, to be your son. Because again, I feel like this kid started off really confident where he was just like, give me mine, I'm going to party. And I was just like, I wonder how we ended up here. Because again, he had a lot of nerve. But in verse 14, I think it, it's, it shows us two things that I thought were really intriguing. And the first one um, said that he spent everything he had. That was his choice. He, he made that decision. And, and it, following one more comma, it says, and then there was a severe famine. So he had the thing that he did and the thing he had no control over. 
And so often that is how I think we generate and we see ourselves and we find our value is the things that we know about ourselves, the things that we like about ourselves, the things that, again, that we find value in, the things that, the thing that we control, and then outside sources, the things we don't have control over, what other people do to us, what other people say about us. And together we, we combine those things and we have this perceived value of ourselves. And I think that that's what happened here. And over time, you know, that we, we have these battles of where, where, is, where is that value? And maybe we get to a point where we're like, you know what, we val- I value myself, but I don't value others really well. Or maybe vice versa, and you'd say, uh, you, know, I have, you know, I have value for myself, but not others, or I value others, but it's hard for me to see, to see my own value. And we see this played out in the Old Testament. Um, Saul, he is the king of Israel. And Samuel comes to him. It says in 1 Samuel 15, 17. And it says, and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. Although you think little of yourself, you have been appointed by a father. So years and years before this, we see this play out. Before one word of the prodigal son was ever spoken, we see it in Samuel, who was, again, he was, he was king over every tribe. Saul did not see himself as worthy to be God's anointed in the same way that the prodigal did not see himself as worthy to be the son of his father. And it's interesting because it could not stand in higher contrast to how the father viewed him. Like there could not be a, a bigger chasm for, what, for how the father viewed him. And we pick up in verse, that second part of verse 20 where we see how the father viewed him. It said, but while he, the son, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to, said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. I like what Pastor Ross was saying earlier. Can you imagine he practiced his speech like probably the whole way there? Like he's like, I'm going to get in, I'm going to say, I sinned against the Father, and I sinned against you, and you know? And because he didn't, he didn't know what was going to happen on the other side of that greeting, you know, he did, he hadn't, that, those dots had not, we had the benefit of knowing in that story that that's how those dots were connected. He didn't have that. And again, I know this is a parable, but still that mindset that he was going, not knowing how he's going to be received. And, and but again, we have, the, we have the, the, the knowledge, we're like, oh, this is such an exciting story because he's going to come back and the father will love him. And, like, and I feel like we find ourselves that way sometimes when we don't know what the, what that relationship is going to look like. But here's what the father says. It says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat and calf and killed it. Let, let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. They're going to throw a party. <laughs> and it's his little party hat. He's excited. Let's give him a smile, guys. 
He took half of everything he had. He squandered it. He ended up in a, in a pen with pigs. He, he felt himself to have too little value. And when he came back, the father said, we're throwing a party. That's the kind of love that a father had for his son. It's the kind of father, or the kind of love that your heavenly father has for you. Do we view ourselves with that sort of love? Because if we do, it changes how we love our neighbors. And again, I, this comparison is so interesting because, again, they, we, we see it over and over in Scripture. Not worthy to be your son, I'm throwing you a party. I think so little of myself. You rule the tribes of Israel. And you can put, and I'm sure if you're here today or watching online, this, you could fill in that blank, right? We all have that blank that we fill in of how we see ourselves versus the way that the Father sees us. That you are his anointed and you're his chosen. And there are times that, yes, we put ourselves in the pen with the pigs, right? That it was all our own doing. It was our fault. But he's calling his angels and he says, put a robe to put a room on you and to put a ring on your finger. And that is freaking beautiful. And the father has so, such great esteem for his son, but here's what he does do. He doesn't deny that the son was dead. He doesn't deny that he was lost. In fact, he says... He was dead, now he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. He doesn't deny the things that he saw that son do, but he says, I see that, and you're worthy anyway. While he was a long way off, the father saw him. And and another thing I, I saw this week that I loved was, he didn't say, go get what's left over and put it on him. Don't go get what's in the goodwill bin and bring it back and put it on him. You know what I mean? It wasn't just something in the back of a closet. He said, go, get, go bring the best. And this is what I love. And he said, and do it quickly. I never noticed that before, guys. He said, quick, go and get it. He did not want his son to go another moment without that affirmation that he was loved by his father. This son of mine, he calls him. And he threw him a party. And we have to begin to love ourselves the way the father does. Because again, it changes how we live out this commandment to love our neighbors. And in a room this size, and again, with the, audi- the size of an audience we have watching online, there are people who you'll sit, would say, this is a struggle I've had my entire life. Of, of feeling enough, of feeling valued. And you would never say the things to others that you say to yourself. And I want to um, encourage you in a couple things. And that is to read the Bible and see what it says about you. And I know that that is like a lot. <laughs> That's a big like statement. And so I want to help you. If you go on to, again, mymomentumchurch.tv, click on today's notes. At the bottom, there's a link to 40 things in the Bible that says how Jesus thinks about you. Go, go and click the link. If you don't know where to start, start there. Click the link and read 40 things 
that your father in heaven thinks about you. That is a great place to start. And, and I want to encourage you, again, if this has been a lifelong thing, read those things, apply them to your life, apply them to your heart, write them down, read them, and please get some help. Put yourself around people who will speak to you the way the Father will. Put yourself around people who are going to throw you a party. Go find a counselor. Find a therapist. This is not 1930. This is no longer taboo. Go see a counselor. I talked to mine this week. She got a sweet copay. It was wonderful. It was the best hour of my day. See somebody. Change that inner dialogue. Let it be the Father's voice, not your own. Because it will change the way you love yourself and the way that you love your neighbors. Again, put yourself around those people. On the days that you feel like it and the days that you don't, you are the Lord's anointed. You are his chosen one, and he values you so, so deeply. But let's keep going in this parable, because again, I've, I've just, I love this. There's so much here, um, and we have more to learn from this. And in, in verse 25, we hop on over to, um, and we see, kind of get a window into the, the life of, the, of his other son, this, this dude's brother. And it says in verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called out to one of the servants, and he asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. He's staying outside, kicking rocks. <laughs> Throwing a party, and no one came out into the field and got me. You know what I mean? So the father comes out, and, he, and it says, The father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you, have never, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fat and calf for him? That's a reasonable response though, right? <laughs> like, like, he's not too off base, you, right? In the mind of a brother who says, I've been here and I've worked for you. I've worked and I've worked in the fields and the, and, the, and the animals. I've been here and I was here for you. And I, I, just, I just, as I was looking at it, I was like, I've seen a lot of eyes. I've been slaving. I didn't get the goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But then when this has happened, you kill for him? Because sometimes I think we go to this end. Especially where at times where we, we see too much of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves. The view starts looking kind of nice up there on that pedestal. Right? But, but same as over here, this is inaccurate, right? This isn't how the Father sees us. And if, you've, and if you feel like this, you're definitely not going to love your neighbor well, right? Especially not that neighbor that was off squandering. Because you said, what the heck, I've been here doing what's right. 
and you're over here doing whatever you want, did it change the Father's love for him? Does it change the Father's love for you no matter where we fall on that line? No. He is consistent. And the older son was like the Pharisees. Again, I told at the beginning, like this, this parable was written for the Pharisees, for people who were real good at going to church. They were there every week. Not every other week. Every week they were there. They didn't watch online. They came to church. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I talk to those people online. I'm in the comments all the time. No. Seriously, though, like they were really good. That's what they thought of themselves. We are really good at church. We, we've been here. We've been slaving. We've been in the fields. We've been taking care of the animals. Why is nobody throwing a party for me? And again, we get out of balance. Balance, as Pastor Ross would say. <laughs> I'm picking on everybody. See, it's not just, it's, it's not a, according to anybody, just all, everybody's getting it. But it rendered them incapable of loving people like they needed to be loved, Right? And it's important that we understand that because at the risk of sounding a little pithy, like, he values all of us equally. There is no one that he had to die more or less for. His blood covers everyone exactly the same. No one required more or less of that sacrifice. which gives every single person intrinsic little party hat value, right? And this is probably one of the greatest lessons that I have learned serving under Pastor Ross. Every single person has intrinsic value. I've heard him say it a hundred times and I've watched him live it 200 times. I've watched him with people and live that, that every single person has intrinsic value. If you like them, if you don't like them, whatever, they, wherever they are in their choices in life, they have intrinsic value. Atheist, agnostic, owns a motorcycle, doesn't own a motorcycle, wherever, the tattoos, no tattoos, like wherever you are, intrinsic value because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of anything else. And that's something that when we get too far that way, we miss out on. Because it becomes, again, where, where were we and what have you done? How did you work hard enough? How did you not work hard enough? And that's important for us to recognize. Because again, we see that with the older brother and he missed the party. He missed out. Because he was jealous. Honestly, that's really, I think what it comes down to is jealousy. And I think that we can even get wrapped up in that at times. That if I celebrate you and your value, somehow that takes away from my esteem and my value. Guys, there's enough heaven for all of us to go around, right? Like, we can celebrate folks in the fullness of who God created them to be and still feel that fullness in us as well. And then we pick up um, in verse 31. And this is how the father replies to his son, who says, you never gave me squat. He says, my son, 
the father said, you are always with me. And isn't his presence the best thing he could have ever given his son? You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had, if you're looking at your Bible, circle had. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I'd never seen that had before, and I thought, man, how beautiful is that? Had to, could not help but. We had to celebrate. I love how he reacts to his son and how Jesus reacted to those religious leaders because they could have been like, Joker, this isn't about you. Like that, you know what I mean? Like that really could have been his response, but it was loving and beautiful. And he said, you're always with me. How gentle our father's love is. Because he had to celebrate. Because he was lost and now he's found. And he was dead and now he's alive. We all find ourselves in this spectrum somewhere. And I want us to kind of think about that. Like, where are you today in this, in this, um, and it's not even like a, like, um, these are, this is bad and good, or bad and good and better. Like, this is, we want to be as close to right here as possible. Because right here, when we understand the fullness of God's value and love for us, not only do we live more fulfilled lives, but then we, again, we're able to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So where, where are you? Do you need to esteem yourself more? Do you need to esteem yourself less? I tell you, I fall on both sides of that lines at different times, in different seasons, maybe sometimes different parts of the day. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, it's always, it should always be a journey of getting closer to that understanding of where uh, how the Father loves us. And I was gonna, because um, I'm a, a, like I, I, a tactile learner, right? Is that teachers in the room? Is that how you say it? Tactile learner? Um, I was gonna give you all a sticky note and say, draw this and put a little X where you're supposed to be. And they're actually all sitting back there still because I was like, I wanted to give it to you, but I really want you to do that. Like, I want you to take that step. You can grab that sticky note as you leave out there. Pastor Jared sitting next to him. He loves to talk to people. He would love, he would love to have a very long, intensive conversation with you. Very, very much. So stop and say hi to him. You can go and get that if you want something. If, but whatever you find, turn over the receipt from lunch today. Take the piece of gu- the, the gum wrapper out of your pocket and write on that. But draw this. And again, just a little X of where, where am I? And then look at that this week and figure out what do I need to do? Because again, it's a, it's a lifelong thing of getting, of getting to that place of how does the Father see me? How do I get to an accurate view of how the va- Father values us? And maybe you're here and you're like, Stephanie, like this has been something I have worked on. I have done the work and I, am, I feel like, I am in a really good understanding of how the Father sees me. I have a strong grasp on the value that I have in Christ and who he's created me to be, and I know that that allows me to love my neighbor as well. 
If that is you, that is awesome, and I implore you today, speak that value over others. Take that and go talk to someone. And, and do not make assumptions where where people are on this, on this spectrum. I tell you, some of the people who, who smile the biggest sit right over here. They just backed it on up. They're, I don't, I heard this word overcompensation at some, some place. And people, sit, they clap the loudest. They, they, they pretend like they go to the best parties. You know, these, don't assume where people are. Find people in your life and speak value to them. Find people and throw them a party. Can we find a reason to celebrate? And if you don't, like I said, go read, go read that scripture or in, the, in the, today's notes. Go look at that and find your, again, find yourself people who are going to speak the Father's value over you. This is not a journey group plug, but it could be, I guess. Like, I don't care if you find those people at Momentum. Pastor Brian does a great job of finding journey groups so that you can find a community of people who have a common foundation of faith, who will speak those things to you. If it's not here, go do it. Go run at five freaking o'clock in the morning with everyone around the entire world. And they, <laughs> Jackie's fantastic, but she runs at crazy hours. Um, you see her waving in the parking lot. Can we thank Jackie and Bill? Thank you. She's, she also would love to have a long conversation with you. She's also very introverted. Please don't do that to her. Um, out there waving at people as people pull on the property, just one wave at a time telling people you have value and we are glad that you are here. Find your people. Like I said, do it in a journey group. Do it at your place at work. I don't care where you find them. Find them and let them speak to you of the Father's love for you. Because if you love yourself well, you will love your neighbors well. And after all, is not the greatest commandment. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much, God, that your scripture speaks to us. It speaks truth to us. God, I pray for my friends that are here today. God, as we have looked at your word, your living word, God, that you would help us apply it to our hearts, to our lives, and to the people around us. God, I pray that you would just um, tear down, God, remove any obstacle that keeps us from seeing ourselves exactly how you see us. God, remove anything from our lives that is going to, to keep us from seeing the value that you have for us, that we are your sons and your daughters, that you have appointed us God, and I pray that as my friends look to do that, and we all look to be closer to you, God, that you would just continue to open doors. God, open doors for us to love our neighbors well as we love ourselves well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.